Well, good weekday evening. The time is 7 p.m. and today is Thursday, December 8th. And you are tuned in to the weekly edition of the Parents of Podigals podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir, and every Thursday at the same time, we go usually from 7 to 8, but usually the Lord has other plans, and we go past 8 o'clock as the Spirit leads. But every Thursday at the same time, we come together, and we unite in prayer, supplication, petition, and intercession for our unsaved, wayward, and prodigal sons and daughters. This is a live podcast, and we welcome your participation. Um, You can chat text your prayer requests if you want to be a part of this podcast we would love to hear from you we'd love to hear your insights sharing a scripture perhaps give an opinion maybe give a testimony something you have to say may encourage and strengthen someone else who's listening this podcast is completely dedicated to the uplifting in prayer of those of us who have unsaved sons and daughters. I began this podcast as the Lord led me to several months ago out of a burden for my own two children who are adults, my son and my daughter. And I still am lifting them up in prayer and petition and asking the Lord that they be delivered of the things that they're in bondage to and that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we are live right now and we have a guest co-host this evening every podcast we try to have a co-host we've had our brother jamie with us at one time we had um nelson quinones who's another brother in christ but this thursday we have our pastor of soul purpose evangelical church co-hosting the program with me and he will be with me sharing insights as to the issue of prodigalism having sons and daughters. You know, I often say in this podcast that I don't believe we're in the last days. I believe we are in the last moments, the last seconds. The rapture is the next event on the prophetic biblical calendar, and it can happen before this podcast is even over. And while we want the Lord to come at the same time, we won't want to see our prodigal sons and daughters get left behind and face this terrible time known as the Great Tribulation. We want our sons and daughters who are unsaved. Some of us are parents of unsaved sons and daughters, or those of us are guardians, perhaps, of young people. Some of us know where our prodigal sons and daughters are. They're maybe home living with us. Maybe they're teenagers and they were involved in the church, and for whatever reason, they have stopped coming and rebelled. There are those of us who have sons and daughters who are incarcerated. And we worry about them in that terrible environment where they're in, and we pray for their safety and their salvation. There are those of us who have prodigal sons and daughters who have fallen away from the faith or who have never accepted Christ who are in rehabs facing the bondage of addiction, and we pray for their deliverance and their salvation. And then there are those of us, and we have no idea where our prodigals are. We don't know where they're staying who they're with, what they're doing, what they're involved with. And the enemy will try to rob us, rob us of sleep at night and have us be anxious and worry about them. And we all know that worry and fear is of the enemy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we, he wants us to place our complete trust and confidence in him. We may not know where our prodigals are, but he does. 
And he has the perfect plan, the perfect time, and the perfect method to bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. At this time, I want to welcome my pastor, our pastor of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, Pastor Albert Feliciano, who is, again, is co-hosting this program with me. Pastor, thank you so much for co-hosting. Amen. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. I'm super proud of you. You've done an amazing job thus far, and uh, I appreciate all the work that you put into this, the diligence, the preparation. Um, it has not gone unseen, and I know the Father God in heaven is uh, is very pleased with what is going on, and we're already seeing results from this podcast. We're hearing testimonies, and uh, it's super exciting to see what God has done thus far. And uh, thank you for having me on the show. Well, I'm glad. For, I'm glad for you to be here. At this time, we want to welcome new listeners. We have listeners, of course, in New York. But um, and going on the website, the Podbean website, we have listeners in Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama. Texas, California, even in Idaho. Now, there are some people who will be listening to this podcast live, but due to time differences in certain areas, maybe in the West Coast or the central part of the country, we even have listeners in Japan and some in Brazil. And because of the time differences, unless they're staying up to listen to the podcast, they will be downloading this and they won't be listening to it live, but it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit can work through a download as well as he can work in a live podcast. There are no restrictions or constrictions for the Spirit of God. So at this time, again, I want to remind everyone this is a live podcast and all you have to do is follow the prompts. Um, if you're a new listener, we welcome you back. You know the deal. You know how to get on. We'd love to hear your insights, your testimonies, share a scripture, or if you need to uh, present a prayer request, you can chat, text it in. If you want it to be an unspoken request, we will respect your privacy. We don't want to embarrass anyone or make anyone uncomfortable. You can chat, text it in and say it's an unspoken request. We may not know the details, but God knows all the details. He knows all things. We don't need to know, but the Holy Spirit knows all things. So at this time, I'm going to ask our pastor to lead us in an opening word of prayer before our podcast begins. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. We first and foremost thank you, for you are good. Your mercy endures forever. I thank you, O oh God, for just being with us tonight. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this meeting tonight. We welcome you into this podcast. We pray that you would be the one conducting everything here and now. We pray for those that are tuning in at this very moment. We pray for those that would be tuning in at a later time or even later date. We pray that the same anointing that is here in this room would also be with them as they hear this podcast. We pray also, as always, for our prodigal children. We pray for those in need right now. We pray for those that might be suffering during this holiday holiday season. We pray, O oh God, that you would just unite families, bring them together, restore order in the house, restore order in the families, and most importantly, that those, Lord God, that have been drifting from you would find their way home, that would, would come to their senses, O oh God, like the prodigal son, Lord, and that they would return home back to the Father. We know that your arms are extended and you would not withhold anything from anyone who comes to you or who calls your name. So we thank you, Lord, for this divine privilege and honor to go before your presence, before your throne of grace, mm -hmm. and lift up our children and lift up our churches, our homes, our families, and even ministries unto you right now. We thank you, my God, and we welcome you once again, Spirit of the living God. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. At this time, I want to deviate a little bit. Um, our brother Jamie Shock, who is our board man right now, it is his birthday. And we did not know this, uh, but I received, I actually saw a posting on Facebook from his wife, and she posted birthday greetings for him. And we want to wish our brother Jamie a happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy brother, birthday Jamie. brother Jamie. <laughs> so glad that, uh, that uh, you're with us here working the board. So anyway, okay. Well, again, you know, I mentioned earlier that um, – Many of us have prodigals. We don't know where they are or what they're doing. And again, we lift up our prodigals in prayer. Um, but this is not just a podcast about the prodigals, the parents of prodigals and the guardians of prodigals. Many times the enemy can deceive them and make them anxious and worried. Sometimes we as parents of prodigal and wayward sons and daughters can lose heart. We may think that our children are too difficult, too tough a nut to crack. And maybe somebody else can get saved, but our sons and daughters may be involved in certain things. And the enemy may be telling us, not your son and daughter. They're way too difficult to get saved. And we get discouraged. Maybe we become lax in praying for them. These are lies of the enemy. And we need to persevere, remain constant in prayer, watchful therein. And trust that God will put them on the road to salvation. There's no greater lie from the enemy than discouragement. If he can discourage you, you will stop praying for them, even fasting for them. The word of God says that many times the fast breaks the yoke. Prayer is not just intercession, petition, and supplication. It's warfare. It's rebuking the power of the enemy, breaking the bonds of the chains that, bond, that bind our prodigals. And like Abraham entered the enemy camp to rescue Lot, we need to enter the enemy camp and rescue our prodigals from the clutches of Satan who has them bound. And so we need to remain constant in prayer. So we will pray also for the parents of prodigals that they remain constant and persevere in their prayer life for their children. At this time, we want to get into our devotional this evening. And on the title of our devotional this evening is the prodigal church, not the prodigal son, the prodigal church. And our scripture text is found in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. And I'll give you a moment to find that scripture in your Bibles. You know, the church of Laodicea is the last of the seven churches to be addressed in the book of Revelation. And the harsh words that were used in describing them shows that the believers there wavered and compromised in their commitment to Christ. So let's read our scripture text together this evening. We're reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know, there was a professor from Huntington University named Mark Fairchild, and he did research and wrote several articles about Laodicea and the church there for the magazine Biblical Archaeology Review. And there were three significant characteristics and observations that were made about Laodicea and the believers there in his research. The first being that Laodicea was a well-to-do and prosperous city. It was sort of a resort retirement community where people went to get away from the hardships and difficulty 
that affected the other parts of the Roman Empire. You could kick back and relax in Laodicea. Unfortunately, many believers went to Laodicea also for the same reason. And the believers there became indifferent to spiritual matters. They were lazy. They became weak and half-hearted. And they blended in with the relaxed and idle atmosphere there. They became worldly in their affluency and carnal in their testimony. The second observation that the researcher did was that the Roman emperor at the time was the emperor Domitian, and he was the first emperor to declare himself Lord and God. He also had images of himself put up in all Roman cities, including Laodicea, and it was decreed that everyone was to pay homage and honor and worship his image. And ironically, as in the book of Revelation, Domitian was referred to as the beast because of his cruelty. And he wouldn't tolerate any Christian defiance of his decree. And believers in Laodicea were targeted specifically and were not allowed to buy or sell or conduct any business. They had all their privileges taken away from them. And they were arrested, tortured, and in some instances, executed. And all this happened unless they would submit and worship the image of the beast. Now the Laodicean believers had to decide if they were going to save their own skin and renounce their faith or take a stand and endure persecution and hardship like good soldiers of Christ, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Unfortunately, the scripture shows that the Laodicean believers compromised and threw away their confidence, which would have had great reward. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. The third observation that was made was that Laodicea did not have its own water supply. They got their water from two neighboring cities, cold, fresh water from Colossae and hot, medically beneficial water from the city of Heropolis. Unfortunately, Laodicea's water tunnel was filthy and polluted. And when the two water sources came together, it wasn't cold and refreshing or hot and medically beneficial, but the water was putrid, polluted, smelly, lukewarm, contaminated, and unfit for drinking, bathing, or cooking unless it was boiled over and over again. It was this comparison that was made to the Laodicean water in Revelation chapter 3 verses 15 through 16 that describes the Laodicean believers, and they were described as being lukewarm in their commitment polluted and contaminated by their environment, and they were unfit for the kingdom of God and to its service. And you know, these characteristics and observations reveal a lot about the Laodicean church. And these are characteristics that I believe exist in many churches today. It's sad to say, but the Laodicean church is still in existence today. Wouldn't you say that, Pastor? Absolutely. You know, I believe that it breaks down to there being four different kinds of churches, and the first three resemble the church of Laodicea in many ways. And if you are attending and a part of any of these three types of churches, get out immediately and run and find the fourth kind of church, with which our Pastor Albert will describe in detail in a few moments. These first three churches are the Waste Your Time Church, the Have a Good Time Church, and the Take Your Time Church. The Waste Your Time Church are churches that are theologically and religious in appearance. They preach theology and religion, but the message they preach is not a Christ-centered, salvation-preaching, soul-winning gospel. 
They have all the appearance of religiosity and ritual. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Second Timothy chapter three, verse five. And the word form in this passage of scripture we just mentioned is the word morphosis. Morphosis. It refers to something that's outwardly appearing, but empty inside. It has appearance, but no substance. It describes a shadow, a silhouette. And many of these churches are ecumenical, saying that it doesn't matter what you believe. These churches may have interfaith services, combining Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. They have a profession of faith, but no possession of it. You'll never leave one of these services spirit-fed, spirit-filled, or spirit-delivered if necessary. The second type of church is the have-a-good-time church. And these churches have plenty of activities and programs for everyone to enjoy. The men, the women, the youth, the children. The band sounds great. The people sing well. And entertainment and production are the focus of the services. And these churches have smoke machines and cool lighting. Some of them even have very cool names. And these churches are social recreational centers in the way they conduct their business. But there's no focus on holiness no mention of the Great Commission, no attempt at soul winning. The order of the day is to keep people happy, keep them entertained, and keep the churches filled. The third kind of church is, I believe, probably the most dangerous of all, the take-your-time church. These are churches that have absolutely no sense of urgency or imminency. You won't hear anything about the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, no mention of hell or holiness. The sermons are hyper-grace. The messages are about self-help and motivational in nature. Be the best you can be and live your best life ever is what you'll hear in these churches. There's plenty of time to accept Christ. He's not coming anytime soon. You don't want to panic anyone or frighten anyone. There's no mention of the Lord's return. However, Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 7 says the following, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest, coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. The take-your-time churches are not watching, and they're not teaching their people to watch either. If you're a part of any of these three churches, if you're attending one, if someone you love is attending one of these churches, get out yourself, drag them out if you have to with you, these churches are not Bible-preaching, soul-saving, deliverance-centered churches. They will lead you straight to a Christless grave and to a backslidden state. They will not prepare you for our Lord's coming. But there is hope. There is a fourth kind of church, and that church is the end-time church. And I'm going to let our pastor talk about the end-time church. Why? What is an end-time church? Why is it so important to find an end-times church? Pastor, I want to hear what you have to say. End time uh, churches. Wow. Well, I actually love your devotional, and it really sets the stage for 
what I'm going to discuss now because our society, even the body of Christ at large, uh, people really have great difficulty defining what a healthy church looks like. Hmm. Uh, I always say, you know, you want to find out the health of a church, come to a prayer meeting, if they even have one. And uh, you typically will see the life of the body of the church by those that show up for prayer. Hmm. Real Christianity is those that have and maintain a relationship with God and actually participate in prayer. It's very important. It's crucial. Uh, a prayerless church is a powerless church. A prayerless pastor is a powerless pastor. And on and on it goes. But what is an end-time church? I guess that's the question that we're looking at right now. Yes. I believe an end-time church is a church that is serious about evangelism, serious about the Word of God, serious about uh, uh, the presence of God. Uh being committed to sharing their faith with everyone. Uh, I've done studies, and uh, it's a sad statistic. Uh, 98% of the body of Christ is actually not evangelizing. 2% faithfully evangelizes, and that's a staggering statistic. Uh, the George Barna Group had made that statistic years ago. But it's a staggering statistic because that means if people are not sharing their faith, if they're not sharing the gospel, how is the church going to grow? One of the very first things Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was, go ye therefore, right? Let's, let's look at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And this is wonderful because this puts it right on the table. We are called to go and preach, but more importantly, to make disciples. So many churches focus on numbers, which is converts. Uh, I have a saying that I use a lot in this church, but converts are introduced whereas disciples reproduce. What's happening is that many churches uh, have new people coming in, and when they find out, oh, well, they used to attend this church or that church, and they say, wow, our current church is growing leaps and bounds, but the reality is all we're doing is really recycling Christians. Mm -hmm. Christians are leaving one bench pew and going to another church and sitting on a new church pew. Most of the times they're offended or they've been corrected or they feel it's too uh, difficult to walk this walk. So they find a church uh, always looking for pastors that will tickle their ears. And that, I think, is a travesty of the body of Christ at large now. You mentioned earlier about churches that have light shows and laser beams and smoke screens. Listen, the gospel does not need a facelift. It does not need to be remanufactured, repackaged. It just needs to be taught. The whole counsel of God, the entire word of truth, right? Psalm 119, 160, the entirety of thy word is truth. Uh, I find many ways a uh, uh, pastors and, and TV preachers, uh, many of them, they can get the Bible to say just about anything that they want it to say. You know, they could be very creative in the way they deliver the word. I find that if you are preaching and teaching the uncompromised word of God, guess what? You're going to offend <laughs> some people. 
Uh, I, I make a little joke. I take light humor at this, but the reality is I call myself an equal opportunity offender. If I haven't offended you this week, maybe next week is your turn. But the Bible, right? Hebrews, the Bible says that that the word of God is like a double-edged sword. Mm. That means it cuts both ways. It cuts the speaker. It cuts the listener. Mm. It cuts It cuts right through all the smoke screen. It cuts through the laser beams. It cuts through all the light shows and the Broadway-style theater services. And it should get right to the heart where we must contend. Are we in the faith? Examine ourselves. Paul said, examine thyself. See if you are in the faith, unless you are, of course, disqualified. It's time for us to reckon with ourselves and see if we really walk this walk. Uh, Mark 16, another part uh, of scripture that talks about the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15 and 18. He said to them, these are Jesus's words. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And now here comes a little bit of a, of a difference. He says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be contemned condemned, excuse me. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mm. I mean, did you hear that? It said, cast out demons, heal the sick, speak in new tongues. Nothing is going to hurt them. That means this is a supernatural church, a supernatural right. move of God. It can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Many people will say, well, you don't need to speak in tongues in order to be a Christian. They're absolutely right. You don't need to speak in tongues, but you will walk with less power, less ability to operate in the things of the spirit because of the inability to receive the gift which we have. Mm -hmm. And all these signs and wonders, right? Signs and wonders accompany those that believe. Mm -hmm. They will follow those who believe. We don't walk around looking for it. We walk around operating, preaching, teaching, and uh, evangelizing and signs and wonders will follow those who believe. A spirit-filled church is never going to be comfortable, as my buddy Pastor Richie says all the time. Mm. But more importantly, a spirit-filled church is going to have the presence of God, and there will be unmistakable evidences of lives being changed, the transcendent glory of God reproducing fruit after itself, and uh, you know, families coming back to order right, and people right. loving one another and being tolerant of, of things that might have set them off earlier in life. And right. now they're actually praying for their enemies, <laughs> blessing those that persecute them. It's an unusual, uh, unnatural uh, uh, type of behavior that has never been experienced or seen in the lives of people before. Mm. And it's it's wonderful. I, I like to uh, say that those who are in Christ are brought back to a place of normalcy. Right. Uh, if you've been in this church any period of time, you've heard me say that. The people in the world are abnormal. Sin is abnormal. The people of God uh, that have been redeemed and set free from the curse of sin, covered by the blood of Jesus, they've been brought back into a place of normalcy, as it was in the very beginning when we walked with God in the cool of every day. Mm. But the, 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 the end-time church is a church <clears throat> that is serious about evangelism, uh, one way to do it, of course, is to preach. Romans 10, 14. How then 
shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who had, they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Guess what? You and I, brother, and those in Christ, we are all preachers. We are ambassadors of heaven called by God to reach the world for Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to partner with the Holy Spirit and go where he tells us to go and share the gospel. And the whole world will be uh, able to hear the gospel presentation. That's the way it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, there's so much I can say about uh, an end time church, but the reality is we have to have a heart right. for the lost. You know, I, I remember when my wife and I first came to Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. And, you know, I, I even then I believe that we were in the last moments, not the last days. And I remember after the Bible study, because I, I myself told my wife, we're not going to a Sunday service. Churches are packed on Sundays. Anyone can go to church on Sunday. We're going to a midweek service. That's the true gauge of a church. And after the service was over, I think I grilled you till 11 o'clock at night. Do you believe in the rapture? Do you believe in the tribulation? Do you believe in the Antichrist? Do you believe we're living in the last days? Um, I must have asked you a million questions. Um, let me ask you this question. And, and when you answered those questions accordingly, I said, this is our church. This is an end times Amen. church. But let me ask you this question. There are many churches that stay away from the topic of the Antichrist or the rapture or the tribulation, why are some pastors, why are many pastors for that matter, not preaching about it? Why do they stay away? They'll do everything else. They'll have programs. They'll have activities. Like I mentioned, you know, some churches even have trunk or treat every October 31st, but these churches will not talk about the evils of Halloween and its sinister background. Why is it, do you believe that many pastors don't even touch They'll preach a hyper-grace, self-motivational, uh, self-help message, but you won't hear anything about tribulation or the Antichrist. Why are pastors staying away from that? In my opinion, I believe that most of them that, that shy away from this topic is simply because they don't know much about it. They probably haven't spent time studying. They haven't spent time uh, digging deep in the Word of God. You know, for this reason, many people will not even attempt to read the book of Revelations. Mm. The problem with that is they are missing one of the greatest blessings. Right in the very first chapter in the book of Revelations, it says, blessed is he who reads the pages of this book. Do you think God would include Revelations and not then instruct us or inform us of what is to come? How would we then know what is to come if we don't read and we don't understand and apply uh, everything that we've learned from the scripture? Yes, there's a lot of symbol symbolism in the book of Revelation, but I also find that the answer is right there if you continue to read. Right. For example, the, the, the seven stars in the hand of Jesus. Later on, Jesus himself says, those seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches in Asia, right? And so if you continue to read, you're going to find the very answer uh, that is written. But Biblical prophecy is such a powerful, and, and especially eschatology, it's such a powerful uh, uh, a word of truth. And this is the only way that we'll know. Jesus said, you shall know when the end is near. Behold, even at the door. It's true that no one knows the day nor the hour, but we should live our life consistently every day as if today is that day. You spoke earlier and you said, 
the rapture of the church could happen today. We probably couldn't even finish this podcast. Mm. It could happen at any moment. The reality is the prophetic scripture that lead up to the rapture of the church have all been fulfilled. Most of the prophecies take place after the rapture of the church. There are those that don't understand that the rapture is different than the second coming. Mm -hmm. I'm a pre-tribulation pastor. You and I, we spoke at, at great length yes. about that on the very first day that we connected. Mm -hmm. But there are pastors that are mid-trib and post-trib, and these are uh, oftentimes debatable topics, and they have scriptures to justify their position. Uh, it, it's funny because uh, I have a nephew. We've kind of batted uh, uh, heads about this uh, uh, sometimes, but he we've both come to the conclusion, I'm a pan-trib person, that at the end, it all pans out, right? <laughs> the reality is, Jesus is coming. Mm. He said he's coming. Mar uh, John 14, it, it, it's good that I go away. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you too may also be in my Father's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. So the, the point is, and I, I love this DVD I saw uh, before the wrath. It talks about the Galilean wedding feast, but it's a very great parallel of what it means that the, the son had to go back to the father's house to prepare a place for the bride. Right. And the father, according to Galilean wedding uh, traditions, the father, once he saw that the son was able to receive the bride and have a place for her, a place to enlarge his family, he would make a room in the father's tent to expand the tent. Then the father would say, okay, son, now you are ready to go and get your bride. And it's a beautiful parallel in, in, in the scripture because Jesus went away to his father's house. He's in mm. glory right now, preparing a place for us. And one day the, the, the sound of the trumpet is going to uh, uh, give way. Mm. And those in Christ, the dead in Christ, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, they will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Harpazo. Mm. Love that word, harpazo. Mm -hmm. We would be caught up together and so shall we be with the Lord forevermore. And, uh, and then, of course, there's a seven-year period where we'll be in glory, uh, waiting. And then Revelations chapter 19, we don't hear about the church until uh, Revelations 3. And then we don't hear about the church again until Revelations 19. Right. That's a great indicator that we would not suffer the wrath of God that's poured out on the people here that remain. But we will come with the Lord, those dressed in fine white linen, robes of righteousness, riding on white horses. We will return back with the Lord at the second coming. And there's a lot of biblical uh, prophecies and scriptures. It's a very deep subject, but they are two separate events. The, fir the, the, the first, of course, is the rapture, the second coming, and, uh, and then we have the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, so there's a lot of wonderful, blessed uh, details, uh, but most people don't talk about these things because they're not aware of them. Right. They haven't mm -hmm. studied. They haven't put in the time. And for others, it's a controversial type of thing. I don't know why there's any controversy in Scripture, but nonetheless, because of their inability to debate or or really express you know, or, or understand what it means, mm -hmm. they just avoid the topic altogether. That's unfortunate. It really is. So how does all this tie into our burden for our prodigals and their salvation? Well, clearly in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4, through 4, God's word says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers 
having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Now we're living in the time that Paul was talking about new age, yoga, meditation, contemplative prayer, political correctness, a prosperity gospel, crystals, and many more heresies are creeping into churches. And many pastors, church leaders, and believers are incorporating these things into their faith. Not one of these things are sound doctrine, but are what Paul described in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we all want to see our prodigal, backslidden, and wayward sons and daughters come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But if that's going to happen, they need to hear that time is running out. The rapture is near and is real. The tribulation is real. Hell is real. And their souls are at stake. We can't be afraid or reluctant to offend or frighten. We need to tell it like it is. Preach the gospel in season and out at every opportunity. Don't water it down. Don't dilute the truth. Titus chapter 2 verse 1 says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So make sure you're attending an end times preaching church and that your prodigal sons and daughters are hearing an end time gospel message for the sake of their salvation. Well, we've come to the halfway mark of our Parents of Prodigals podcast, and at the halfway mark, we break into a musical interlude. This isn't just music. It's music with a message. Listen to the lyrics and be refreshed and blessed by what you're going to hear. And when the musical interlude is over, we will return with the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. Again, we want to hear what you have to say. We want to hear your testimonies, take your prayer requests, share a scripture or an insight. And we do have several prayer requests that will we be bringing before the throne of grace. So stay tuned for the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Adonai, age to age you're still the same, by the power of the name, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Kamkana Adonai, I will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. Come on, I 
I will praise you till I die, El Shaddai. Through the years you made it clear that the time of Christ was near. Though the people couldn't see what Messiah ought to be. Though your words contained the plan, they just could not understand. Your most awesome work was done in the frailty of your son. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Yonahadonai, age to age you're still the same by the power of the name. I will praise you till I die. Thank you. 
Okay, we are back with the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I am your host, Brother Alan Weir, and I'm joined by my pastor, our pastor, Pastor Albert Feliciano of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church in Middletown, New York. I want to remind the listeners again, this is a live podcast, and we welcome your participation, your insights, the sharing of scripture. And most of all, any prayer requests that you want to chat, text in, we will lift before the throne of grace for your unsaved son or daughter. We were talking last about prodigal churches, um, churches that don't preach the true gospel, but things that tickle the ears and deceive and stay, stay away from biblical prophecy and the truth that will set free. And our pastor wanted to share a scripture and an insight. And I did have a question for him regarding soul ties. People who attend these types of deceptive churches, fearful churches, and cannot break away. I'm going to give the mic over to our pastor to share his scripture verse. Amen. Well, regarding soul ties, it's it's a really difficult thing because people, uh, they have history mm. in churches. Uh <clears throat> They'll say, hey, you know, my cousin was baptized here. My my family members were married here. And uh, this other loved one passed away. We had their funeral here. And all these different memories, historical 
aspects of their life were, were in this particular location. And though their spirit recognizes these teachings have now gone off course, they've mm. drifted from the truth, but because of a soul tie, it's a stronghold, right? right. Mm. So the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Mm. But in order for those weapons to be mighty, you have to be in the spirit. Galatians 1.16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Mm. We have to be able to discern. We have to be able to understand and see the impending attacks, the darts of the evil one coming. We have to hold up the shield of faith. We have to have the armor of God be girded with all the, the weaponry, the defense mechanisms, and even the sword of the spirit to fight back when we have to. Uh, the problem is because of these soul ties, because of the history, a lot of times people get stuck. Mm. They get stuck in a situation where they feel that there's no hope or there's no way out. I can't leave. What will people think <clears throat> of me? But uh, the reality is, you know, I mean, it's it's it's. It's equivalent, in my humble opinion, to a house on fire. If you're driving down the street and you see a house on fire, you're not going to ring the doorbell and say, excuse me, just wanted to wake you up and let you know that your house is burning. That would seem absurd. You'd go and you'd bang on the door and you would find a way to get the attention of those in the home uh, in order to get them out. And as those in our family members that are stuck in an environment where it is dying, it would be that equivalent. It's a spiritual death. Mm. But but the reality is we need to make an effort uh, to reach out to them, to pray for them, and to show them the truth according to the word of God. The works of the flesh are evident according to Galatians 5, but so are the fruits of the Spirit. If you are walking in the Spirit, you're not going to uh, rely mostly right. on the things of the flesh or those soul ties, those fleshly connections. More importantly, you'll be in tune with the spirit mm. and where the spirit leads, there is life. You know, the, the spirit lives, the letter of the law kills, etc. I understand that we, we have someone calling in right now. Okay. You want to chime them in? Okay. I don't know who that is on the air. Who do we have? Are they there? They disconnected. Okay. We, we, uh, whoever you were, we encourage you to call back in. We would love to hear your insights. They're back on. Okay. All right, uh, connect them. Can you hear me now? Yes, hi. Who are we speaking to? Um, I am, my name is Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen, welcome to the Parents of Prodigals podcast. God bless you. Thank you. Um, I am going through uh, severe spiritual attack with my family. Um, luckily, my husband and I are both believers. We've been married for quite some time, and we have a 16-year-old daughter. And um, when my daughter, I will try to make this as short as I possibly can, but when my daughter, when she was first born, we um, took her to our church, and we dedicated her and, to the Lord and uh, prayed that she would come to accept the Lord at the earliest possible age. Mm. And then one day, taking her to kindergarten, she said, Mommy, I had a bad dream last night. And I said, why don't you tell me about this bad dream? She's like, I can't. It's too scary. And I said, oh, I, I know how that can feel, honey. I used to have a scary dream when I was little. 
I was about your age. And she's like, well, can you tell me about that dream? And I told her about this reoccurring dream that I had. And uh, to be clear, I came to the Lord first in my family. I was not brought up into a Christian home. I knew the Lord before both of my parents did. But this dream was like a paper mache volcano on a table, like on a card table. There was nothing underneath the table when you looked at it. But when you stepped up on my tippy toes and leaned over and looked down the pit of the volcano, you could see straight into the pit of hell. There was fire, there was screaming, there was crying, and all kinds of horrible, horrible sounds and things to see. And I shared this with my daughter, who was, like I said, in kindergarten at the time. And I said, it just, it frightened me. And I noticed she was shivering and shaking out of fear. And she said, Mommy, that's the same dream I had last night. And I pulled over and I said, sweetheart, we serve a God who loves you and who died for you. And he is not a God of fear. He is a God of peace and love. Hmm. And if you want to, you can give his, your heart to him right here, right now. And I can't promise that dream will go away, but I promise you that he will be there with you through that dream. Mm-hmm. And she did. Right then, right there, in the car, on the way to kindergarten. Fast forward to, my daughter is now 16, fast forward to 8th grade. And my daughter had a friend killed in a car accident. And another friend who knew this boy who was killed in the car accident confessed that he had feelings for her. And she said, thank you, but no, thank you. I don't want a boyfriend. He threatened to kill himself unless she agreed to be his girlfriend. And she refused. And he went around and spread all kinds of lies about her punched her, tried to drown her. And as a result, she has grown very, very angry with God to the point that she won't pray before meals. When I ask her to go to church, she refuses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't want to be angry, but I'm losing hope because it's been three years now almost since her friend died and two years since that other friend started assaulting her, punching her in the face and threatening to kill himself. May I, ask, I don't know. May I ask I know your, your, your daughter's name. What's your daughter's name? If you don't mind me to asking. Gabby. Gabby. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? God knows all things, and he is all-powerful, and he's all-merciful. And so at this time, we're going to lift you, your family, uh, your daughter, everyone involved in prayer. I'm going to ask our pastor, man of God, Pastor Albert Feliciano, to lead us in prayer, intercession, supplication, and most of all, 
warfare with regards to these matters because the enemy is at work, but God's power is stronger than any works of the enemy. So I'm going to give it over to our pastor to speak to you briefly and then to lead us in prayer for you and your family. Amen. Before I pray, I'd like to ask you, Mary Ellen, a question. Uh, you had mentioned that you had your daughter, Gabby, dedicated as a child, dedicated unto the Lord, correct? Yes, correct. And, uh, you also raised her in the in the faith. I mean, uh, she had received Christ. So I would imagine she's been through Sunday school. She's been through uh, different family Bible studies, and she's been a church-going person for her young life. Yes, I used. she used to ask me to rub her back um, when she fell asleep when she was a little girl, and she always wanted me to sing Amazing Grace. Okay. When, when at what age, did she stop going to church or, or you know, reading her word or praying or, or being involved in the faith? Did you notice a time frame when that took place? Was it around the time of the accident? About that time, yes. Okay. So it appears that there's a spirit of depression that has come in uh, to try to oppress her or anxiety and, and you know, all these different issues that, that are attached oftentimes when a young person goes through an extreme loss. I can give you a scripture to hold on to, okay? This is a promise of God. Uh, Proverbs 22.6, of course, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm a grandfather now of eight children, and I've seen my own children uh, in the darkest times of their life always resort back to the faith. And now many of them are serving the Lord, and they're training their own children in the same way. Um, you have to believe and trust in the word of God. God's word is truth. The entirety of his word is truth. But hold on to the promises in Scripture. Grab on to that, and uh, and it's going to deliver your child. I'm going to read uh, Psalm 107.20. Uh, just give me a moment to find this for you, because I want to quote it in its entirety here. Psalm 107, verse 20. It says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. All right, so we have to believe that God is able to fix this situation, heal and deliver your child, Gabby. And at the same point, we'll talk about, you know, law enforcement and getting the right authorities involved because your child shouldn't have to be hiding or be bullied at school or wherever she might find herself. So let's pray he's, over that. The, the bully has left. He is he's gone. He's in college. She, he's in college now. Wonderful. Um, Were there any uh, authorities brought into this? No, um, uh, she, my husband and I tried to talk her into it and maybe we should have done it, but she went through a severely rebellious stage because of everything that had happened. And one night she left our house and only agreed to come back if we would not seek law enforcement and we agreed to that um because we were desperate to have her back in our home all right well let's pray amen 
All right. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. I want to pray first and foremost, Lord, for uh, Mary Ellen, who is uh, so apparently distraught mm. over her child and all that she's had to suffer and endure. Uh, Lord God, this is a very ugly situation that has occurred. Uh, the loss of a dear friend is, is just difficult enough to deal with. Uh, and then the abuse of another manipulating and trying uh, to force his hand uh, upon her. Lord God, I pray for Mary that you would give her strength and wisdom at this critical time in her daughter's life to be able to fight the good fight of faith, to be a representative of, of your word in her life, uh, to lead her in paths of righteousness, uh, to be able to comfort her when she needs that comfort and more importantly, to be attentive uh, to everything that is going on, to be completely discerning of all those details that need to be noticed. Lord, I lift up Gabby right now, Lord. I pray that you just tenderize her heart, soften her heart toward the gospel. Lord, allow her to return to the place of her first love before deception came in, before depression came in, before oppression came in, before uh, a negative counsel, negative words, negative actions occurred. Lord, I pray that she would be returned back to that place of her first heart's desire, which was to serve you in spirit and truth. Mm. I speak now to those demonic spirits that are at large. I pray right now over that depressive spirit. I pray over anxiety. I pray over fear. I pray over all those insecurities that might be lurking right now in the name of Jesus. I cast it out in Jesus' name by the authority of the word of God through the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood over Gabby's life over this family's life. I pray also for uh, Ellen's husband. What's your husband's name, sister? Kevin. Kevin, is he in the home? Yes. Okay. I pray for Mary Ellen and Kevin, Lord, that they would be brought back into divine order, that Kevin, as the head of his house, oh God, would go before you by the throne of grace in your word, and that he would seek out the scriptures uh, that would hold this family together, hold his daughter, uphold her in prayer and in the word of God, that he would wash her with the watering of the word and that your spirit would flow from this point on. I bind every demonic assault, every demonic attack, every hindrance, every obstacle. I put it under arrest in the name of Jesus Christ right now, and I lose freedom and liberty. I lose peace that surpasses all understanding, and I lose the joy of the Lord back upon this child's life. Yes. Lord, preserve her going in, preserve her going out. Lord, cover her from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet yes. and lord god that she would be able to see clearly lord god that she is loved she is adored and that she is special she is your child she is righteous in your eyes oh god you have made her righteous and your blood cleanses her from all unrighteousness lord i pray that she would return now in the name of the name jesus of we pray and we give you all the glory for we know that you hearken your ear to the prayers and the cries of your children yes. and the prayers of the righteous does avail much. Mm. So Lord God, we leave this in your capable hands and we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Mary Ellen, it's, it's very important. You know, right now, uh, you, you, we sing these songs all the time. We hear the song days of Elijah. We're at a critical time in our, in our world, the culture is evil, society is evil, there's lies and deceptions 
everywhere. The school systems, the public school systems are indoctrinating our children. There's so much evil lurking right now. It's so important that your home, your husband, you, your family, I don't know if there are any other siblings involved, but that you all come back together as a family. Yes, it's important because uh, oftentimes you have two parents working. The kids are often home, you know, having to deal with things on their own. At, at as much as possible, try to remain together, eat dinners together, communicate, open the lines of communication. I can't tell you how beneficial it would be where there have been mistakes in the past for a parent to simply address it. Turn off the cell phone, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, have a, a family meeting and just say, hey, we dropped the ball. If that's the case, if, if, if we should have contacted authorities, if we should have done something different and didn't, please forgive us. Because a lot of times the, the enemy breeds uh, th these little thoughts and bitterness and resentment and all these different things come in. And, and mm. next thing you know, the child is waiting to turn to 18 or 19 so they could leave the house mm. and be done with mom and dad. So don't allow the enemy to trickle into your home. Bring your home back into divine order, to spiritual alignment, spiritual authority. And if there's apologies that need to be made, so be it. There's power in forgiveness. John 20, 22 through 23, Jesus said to his disciples, he breathed on them and told them, receive the Holy Ghost, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive someone their sin, their sin is forgiven. But if you retain their sin, their sin is retained. We can't forgive on our own strength. We must be filled with the Spirit of God in order to truly forgive and even to receive forgiveness. But forgiveness does break the chains of the enemy and it loose the prisons of guilt and shame and bitterness and all those other things. And I'm going to continue to pray for Gabby and uh, we can put her on our prayer chain and we'll also be praying for your family as well, for you and Kevin. Okay, and thank you so much for calling in and sharing um, such a private but, but a very needed a uh, uh, prayer time for your family. Mary Ellen, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, is your family attending a, a, a church at this time? No. Um, okay. I've, no, unfortunately not. Okay. I do, I do devotions every day and, um, and pray, pray, play my praise music in the car and in the house. And anytime my daughter is around, she'll turn it off. I don't want to hear that. I know. I've invited. Time. I've invited her several times to go to church with me. She refuses. Mm -hmm. We have we have dinner together every night as a family, um, right. almost without exception. Mm -hmm. So we do have an open dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do have regular family time. Like last night we all sat around the fireplace and she read, she's a bookworm. So she read a book last night and I was fiddling on my phone and my husband was reading sports illustrated and her father, my husband. And, uh, so we do spend time together on a regular basis. No, that's all. And um, all those things, all those things are very, very good. But, you know, the scripture does say not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. 
And there is strength in, you know, of course, gathering with other believers in corporate worship. You need to get to a good church, a Bible-believing, Christ-preaching, spirit-filled, spirit-feeding, deliverance-centered church where the Word of God is preached in all its purity. If you were listening to our earlier devotion, there are a lot of churches out there, but you need to get into a good end times church, a church where the Word of God is preached that's spirit-filled, because we'll pray, we can pray for you now, but you're going to need continued encouragement and strengthening. And while it's good to have family devotions at home, you need to be under the teaching of a spirit-filled man of God who uh, instills and preaches the word of God. You need to grow. The word of God says that we need to grow by drinking the milk of the word. And as we continue to grow, we start to feed on solid food. But you need to get into a good Bible-believing, Christ-preaching church. Pastor, anything on that? Amen. Just to add uh, simply, it is impossible to be a disciple by yourself at home. I can say that with all blessed assurance. Mm. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And oftentimes, especially now with TV preachers, a lot of people believe they can just stay home and be a church at home. But the reality is you're never going to be part of the body until you are connected to the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Uh, the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. We need each other and we must be able to stand in the gap for one another, to share each other's burdens. Uh, I, I say this in a joking, kidding way many times at church, but there's no such thing as a secret agent 007 uh, uh, you know, disciple. That's just not possible. They can only be a disciple publicly, visibly. The disciples uh, walked in the streets and preached the gospel. You were out of 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 hiding, and so it's it's very important. And when you're a, a parent, especially as we're an parent of, of Prodigal's podcast, it's very important to lead by example. If church. And being part of the body is important to you, then you're going to relay that information to your children simply by your behavior, your example, your leadership, that it's also important for them. Uh, just this past Sunday, we dedicated a small child. And in that dedication ceremony, uh, there are parents that really believe, well, I'm going to allow my child to make a decision for themselves when they grow up and they're old enough. The reality is, if you're going through life never going to church, then when your child becomes old enough uh, to make their own decisions, if they have not had the foundation of being a part of the body of Christ, of resorting to prayer and the word of God in times of hardship or crisis or even in their daily walk, then what makes anyone think that they're going to make that choice as an adult? See, it's, it's very important. The scripture I read earlier, train up a child in the way they should go. So when they get older, they will not depart from it. If they have the foundation, that's going to carry them throughout life. If there is no foundation, when they get old enough, they're going to walk away. It's, it's very difficult, uh, you know, to, to, to win them back for Christ, although there is power in prayer, but uh, it can be a lot more useful to just begin the process now. It's never too late to begin a new walk and a new journey and start clean, fresh. Mm. And uh, I, I concur, it's time for an, uh, a church yes. home. Yes. Mary Ellen, listen, uh, we are going to be entering our time of prayer in a little bit, but we are going to include your daughter 
Every week, we're going to lift her up in prayer. We have a prayer list of folks that we pray for on a regular basis every week. And we have several names here, and we are adding her name and your family to our prayer list. And so we invite you, if you want to call back again next Thursday, to come back on and share some more. But we are going to continue every week, even even without the podcast, we will lift up parents of prodigals as praying during the week. But we will lift up Gabby and your family in prayer between podcasts and during podcasts. Okay? Thank you. I appreciate your phone call. Thank you so much. We will talk again soon, but we will continue in prayer as you do as well. God bless. Have a good night. Okay. Well, we praise God for that phone call and that time of sharing and that time of prayer. And our pastor, um, before that call came in, you were sharing some insights. We were talking about soul ties and why people. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, the Antichrist, prophecy, the rapture, the second coming, are people afraid of those things? Well, it's just, it's, it, it's like Romans chapter one, um, where they suppress the truth of God and exchange the truth for the lie. Right. Uh, what happens is, the truth hurts. Mm. The truth is scary. The truth offends. Mm. A lot of times people don't want to hear the truth. Right. Uh, we know that the conversation that took place between Pontius Pilate and Jesus Christ, Pontius Pilate turned to the Lord. He looked at the physical personification of truth. Jesus Christ is truth. Mm. Looked at him right in his face and said, what is truth? And then the word of God records Pontius Pilate turning around after asking that question and walking away. Mm. And that's the reality. Most cases, people don't want the truth. So what they do is they suppress the truth of God and exchange the truth for the lie. And now they turn to the creation and begin to make gods of created objects, created things, even created imaginary gods mm. and exchange the truth of God for the lie and they begin to worship look at the commonwealth games in in uh england they had this big bull and everybody's worshiping the bull and you know you have other people worshiping fire and worshiping the moon worshiping the stars you've got other people saying that we come from stardust uh, neil tyson degrassi that we became uh, particles of stardust and turned into all these absurd theologies these are doctrines of demons mm. doctrines of devils and what happens is because of the fact that we don't want truth and the truth does hurt and we're not able to reckon with the truth, then most cases people exchange that truth and create for themselves their own version mm. of God, which again violates the second commandment. Right. They turn God into an idol. And they say, well, the God that I serve is okay with me smoking weed, is okay with me being rebellious, is okay with me getting high on the weekends or drinking booze. Uh, it's okay with me having an alternative lifestyle, whether it be homosexual or, or lesbian mm. or transgender. Or if I want to be a flurry today, you know, a cat, and I, I want to use the, the, the kitty litter box, you know, that everything seems to be okay now and and society is literally encouraging this disorder and uh, and this is what i find to be the most disturbing thing in our culture now is the suppression 
of truth. Mm. Uh, John 8, 44, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. He was a liar from the very beginning. Lies were birthed in his heart and uh, he is the father of them. And anyone that is in league with this deceptive type of behavior or of creating for themselves their own version of God mm. is in league with the enemy. And that's a fact. And that is also truth. And it's the truth that hurts and offends. But Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. Mm. And whom the Son has set free is free, free. indeed. Mm. If we are a lover of truth and we abide in the word of God, which is truth, mm. then we will be set free. And that is a, a total game changer. Right. Uh, to live our life according to God's word, which is the truth that will set us free, not only in this lifetime, but in the one that will follow for eternity one day. And this is another reality, another truth. One day we will all stand before God. We must all give account. We will know him as Lord and Savior, or we will know him as judge. Mm. And, uh, you know, for those that say only God can judge me, well, yeah, that's true. And he will. And what are you going to do when he does judge you? Mm. So it's better to be on the side of truth now and repent, therefore, so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I understand that you were at one time yourself were a prodigal. You were very involved in the church, but you weren't saved. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Reluctantly, <laughs> reluctantly, I'll go down memory lane. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, yes, I was pretty much born and raised in the Spanish Pentecostal church, which mm. at the time was very legalistic, very religious. Right. Uh, as a young child, uh, you know, I didn't understand Spanish much. Mm. My mother spoke Spanish at home. We learned Spanish through her and we spoke English to her, and she learned English through us, but it was a very uh, uh, mixed dialogue. And so every time I went to church, all the s services were in Spanish, so it was very boring to me. Right. Didn't understand what was going on, and so I ended up doing a lot of mischievous things. Mm. But uh, at eight years old, I began to play the drums, and I was the church drummer, and that was the way that I found solace mm. and, uh, and even enjoyment in going to church because I loved the gift. I actually enjoyed playing uh, the drums, but as soon as that was over, I would fall asleep or I would go play with matchbox cars and uh, different toys, and then I would wait until the sermon was over so I can get back on the drums. Right. I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of, a lot of things I'm ashamed of, and mm. but I've said this, uh, it's not uh, private. Uh, I considered myself to be saved 150 times before I actually got saved. Right. Every time there was a fire damnation message or some type of scary thing that took place, I would run to the altar and recite the sinner's prayer. But there was never a sincerity of heart. There was no genuineness mm. of that uh, conviction. Uh, it was just fear, fear of the flames and fear of, of the possibility of dying without the Lord. And and the, no sooner that I left into the parking lot, I was cursing and doing everything that I did before, uh, carrying on. And I, I did get involved in drugs. I've gotten involved in all kinds of illicit behavior. You know, there were times, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but I would sell uh, weed. I would sell marijuana to those in the youth ministry. Mm. We would go on the roof of the church and get high together and come back to church high. Mm. And it was because I had no fear of God. That is the real, true 
essence of, of my life then. I had no fear of God. Mm. Fear, of course, is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of no, a knowledge and understanding. And uh, when I had my first encounter, I had to be about 18 or 19 years old. I had an eight ball of cocaine. I believe that's three grams of cocaine in my right pocket. Mm. And I had a half ounce of weed in my other pocket. And uh, I had an encounter with the Lord. It was a very unplanned, unsuspected date, uh, a, a meeting that I did not anticipate to have. But uh, there was a, a, a family that prayed over me and it broke my spirit. It broke my heart. And I ran to the parking lot uh, uh, where they lived. And I remember dumping all those drugs in the, the gutter on the street. And from that point on, I never picked up another drug in my life. Mm. Uh, the Lord uh, delivered me immediately from those addictions. And uh, it was because of that that I turned uh, to the path of the Lord. Mm. So, yes, I was a prodigal, but what changed everything was my encounter with the Holy Spirit. Mm. It was genuine. It was God-ordained, uh, unplanned, but it was real. And, uh, of course, life happens. Uh, after several years, you become cold, you become distant, and you start to go your own way. And of course, I backslid several times. And, uh, you know, it was ultimately when I was about 2006, a little bit earlier, I'd say probably 2000, 2001, where I began to really contemplate my walk with Christ. Mm. And uh, that's when I, I really recommitted my life to Christ. It was the, the fact was that every time I went out on my own, and I tell you, I did everything I could to avoid being a pastor. I knew about this call since I was eight years old. I ran from it my entire life. I did every drug that I could possibly do. I did everything, slept with everything, and I'd done everything I could to destroy any chance of me becoming a pastor. Mm. And the more I did, the closer I, I came right to Christ. The road that I embarked on was the road that led me right to the cross. Wow. And uh, as I returned, uh, I had to just really recommit my entire life to God. And this is why I, I'm so adamantly uh, uh, telling on this podcast, this scripture, Proverbs 22, 6, my mom trained me in the fear and admonition of the Lord from a small child as many years as I lived with her until a, a young adult. And it was then that every time I tried to go to the club, every time I engaged in illicit behavior, I would see all my friends enjoying themselves. But there was always something deep down in my spirit saying, what are you doing here? Right. You know you don't belong here. You know this doesn't please the Lord. And, and I would try to suppress that myself and escape and run from that. And right. all it did would, would, would get stronger in my spirit. And ultimately, I've uh, submitted myself. I surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Right. And from that day forward, I never looked back. Uh, Luke 9, 62 says, he that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service. Mm. And I encourage everyone, you know, it's going to take some strength and courage, Holy Ghost boldness to really submit yourself to the Lord. You're going to lose friends. You're, you're going to lose family members. You're going to get people to cut you off. They're going to call you crazy. They're going to call you names. But I'd rather be on the right side of righteousness and know that my eternal destiny is secure and, and my life with Christ is restored uh, and whole than, than to be anywhere else apart from God. David said, better to be in the courts of the living God one day than to be anywhere else, uh, than a thousand days anywhere else. And that's, that's the thing that I live by and has kept me.
You know, you mentioned earlier uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And as parents of prodigal sons and daughters, I have a son and a daughter, neither of which are saved. Um, my brother Jamie's daughter just came to Christ, and she is in the Lord. Um, there are a few people at sole purpose. Um, and I know you have a son or sons, and we all want our prodigals to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and come to a saving knowledge of Christ. We do have several prayer requests. Uh, speaking of an encounter with the Holy Spirit, we have uh, some folks that we're going to be lifting up in prayer, and we are praying that these folks have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that leads to a dissension on their knees. You know, some people, I mentioned this several times, some people, the Holy Spirit convicts of their sin, and they get up and they just follow Christ. Jesus told Matthew, follow me, and he got up, and followed Christ, Jesus saw the fishermen and told them, follow me. And the word of God says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Other people, like Paul, have to be knocked off a horse and blinded. Um, it's a scary thing sometimes to think that our prodigals may need to be knocked off a horse. We would like to see them just immediately leave their nets. But God knows what it takes to break a person's will. And in Paul's case, on the Damascus Road, he had to be knocked off a horse and blinded. And so God knows what needs to be done to save our prodigals. We have several names to lift up in prayer. Um, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your son, if, if the Lord leads you to, because we're going to be lifting him first up in prayer. I'm going to let you pray for him. Amen. Well, our, our son, our oldest son, mm. uh, his name is Joshua. Yes. By the grace of God, he is now sober, going on seven months. Wow, that's great. Uh, Joshua, when he hit about 21 years old, uh, he had a surgery, a, a, a bariatric sur surgery. Right. And uh, he discovered at that age uh, that alcohol goes right through your system and you mm. get an immediate result. And uh, that put him on a road that for the next 15 years of his life, uh, he became a alcohol abuser. My mm. son, uh, Josh, he's an alcoholic, uh, a delivered alcoholic, let me Amen. say. But uh, we had been praying for him repeatedly for years. Mm. Uh, it has been a trying, difficult road. My wife especially uh, has been burdened uh, so greatly. And uh, as a result, we've seen great times, highs. We've seen great lows. Mm. We've seen Joshua repent and serve the Lord and then relapse and go into a yes. seven or eight day binge and pass out. And, you know, this has been repetitive times. He's been in and out of rehabs, in and out of hospitals. And right. it came to a point after years uh, of never giving up and trusting God's word that we had to come to the point where we said, God, we leave our son in your capable hands. Mm. We've done everything that we could. Everyone that we know, we've sent them to the best of the best. There's nothing else that we can do. This is now in your complete control. Mm. We turn him over to you. Mm. We never stopped praying, but we began, we began to recite the word of God over his life. And now it's been about seven months mm. that he had entered a new program, which he's still there. It's a year. Right. And uh, he has been a sober uh, for seven months, and uh, he is now doing every effort to serve the Lord. Right. They scared him straight. They said, if you had one more drink, that they give him a prognosis of less than five years to live. Wow. 
And uh, if he does not drink at all, he will live a very long, prosperous, wonderful life. And mm. he chose life. And I praise Thank God for that. God. I wanted to encourage every parent of every prodigal son or daughter, especially when times seem hard, there's going to be days where you're going to weep and cry and you're going to want to give up and throw in the towel. And uh, you're going to want to disown your children. I'm done with you. I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Believe me, we've been through all those emotions. We've been through those struggles. Uh, a pastor's family, I think, is going to be under great assault, great attack at all times. Mm. Uh, so, so there's always pressure at every turn. But one thing we have found is by just trusting in God's word and staying the course, staying on the road, never giving up, never throwing in the towel, we continue to pray. And because we have raised our son and daughters in, in the ways of the Lord, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, we rely on that promise of God. We tell him, Lord, you say, trust in me and you and your household will be saved. So we're praying those scriptures. We're praying them back to God. We're praying God's word back to the Lord mm. and, and holding him to his word. And now those same scriptures are being prayed over our grandchildren. Right. And we're seeing the benefits of God's word back in the lives of our family. So for what it's worth, please never give up on your children. No psychologist, no therapy, no rehab is going to love your child whether adult or young, adolescent, they're not going to love your child or, or be committed to your child as much as you are. And so it is on you, parents, to really pray them into the kingdom and continue to never give up on them in prayer and trust God's word at all times. Mm. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor, I'm going to let you lead in prayer for your son, Joshua. Amen. Great Father in heaven, yes, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for the miracle that you have already completed in Joshua's life. I thank you for our son, for hearing your word, for following the promptings and nudgings in his heart through your Holy Spirit that has been ever-present, uh, uh, nudging him and, and pushing him uh, to return home to the Father. I pray for his stability. I pray Lord, for his strength. I pray for his courage, that he will continue to make right decisions. I pray that the enemy would not be able to deceive his mind. Lord, I pray that you continuously renew his mind according to your word, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I bind the enemy. I bind every deceptive thought. I bind every binging tendency to try to come back and rip apart what God has done. Your word tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And Lord, your word says, no good thing will you withhold from those who fear you, who walk uprightly. So Lord God, I just lift up Joshua once again to your throne of grace. I thank you for the miracle that you have performed in his life. But I also pray for that continual hedge of protection over him, his future wife, his future children, my grandchildren, Lord, his legacy, his destiny, Lord, that he would fulfill the call that is upon his life, that he would not only come out surviving, but that he would come out thriving as a warrior of righteousness, a darkness destroyer, a demon slayer, a fighter of the faith, yes, an apologist of your word and mm. a preacher and prophet of truth. Yes. Lord God, you have called him to do great and great and mighty things, which thou knoweth not. So Lord, let him discover the real joy of your spirit yes, and walk this walk mm. until he wins and finishes the race 
till you call for him or he comes home. I thank you and give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our next prayer request is on behalf of our brother Jamie Shock, his daughter China, and China's friend Alexa. Both accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And our brother Jamie has told us that she is on fire. They are both on fire and eager to continue serving the Lord. However, the enemy would love to snatch the seed that was planted on good ground, but we're not going to let that happen. We're going to lift them both up in prayer and intercession and enter spiritual warfare for their continued strength in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name, Lord God, and we thank you. We praise you, Lord God, for answered prayer Mm. for China and Alexa, that they have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It was a difficult road, and the enemy was playing a tug of war. Every time the angels in heaven would minister to them, the enemy would love to snatch the seed and keep them away from churches or keep them resistant from accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord God. At the Spirit of God, the Word of God says no one can come against the Spirit draws them. The, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And the Word of God did its work in their hearts. So, Father, we just lift them both up in prayer. We thank you for their salvation. We thank you for their deliverance from what they were in bondage to, Heavenly Father. And we pray for continued perseverance, strength, encouragement, fortitude, that you would continue to strengthen them both, get them to a good Bible-believing, Christ-preaching, spirit-filled, deliverance-centered church where your word is preached in all its purity. Fill them both with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Give them Holy Ghost power. Give them both an upper room experience, Lord God. Baptize them both in the Holy Spirit. Give them the spiritual strength that they need to persevere and continue in the faith. We rebuke any attempt of the enemy that will be made to snatch the word of God from their hearts. We rebuke any attempts by the enemy to lure them back into old patterns of living. We rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus, and we call deliverance and freedom for them both, continued deliverance and freedom for both China and Alexa. We thank you for their salvation. Hold on to them, Lord God. Give them strength. Give them a hunger for your word. The word of God says to study, to show thyself approved. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. Lord, help them to wield this sword and give them strength in their faith to continue in the faith. Hang on to them, Lord God, and give them the strength that they need to continue in the faith, praying, being watchful therein, and staying firm. Stekos, help them to both stand firm in the faith and not letting the enemy lure them back to whatever it is he wants them to go back to. We thank you and we praise you for their continued strength. We call it done. It's already done, Lord God. Continue the good work which has begun in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our next prayer request is for a young lady named Angelica. And she is a young lady we pray for every week. Angelica, according to the family members, is involved in some very dark activities. And she is in need of deliverance as well as salvation. Before someone can be saved, they need to be delivered if they're in bondage to something. And Angelica apparently is in bondage to the activities and the ways that she's involved with. Friends and contacts and associations that are keeping her, telling her not to accept Christ. So 
I'm going to ask our pastor, Albert, to lead us in prayer for Angelica, for her deliverance and salvation. She's also giving her family a very hard time. Her family members have contacted me saying that they just feel so bad. She, they, they hate seeing her suffer in bondage to the enemy. So let's go into prayer for Angelica's deliverance and salvation. Amen. It's important to know that Angelica, you know, needs to want to be made well. Yes. Uh, Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be made well? <clears throat> so she has to have an active involvement in, in this deliverance uh, that we're praying for. Uh, but it's important to not give up on her yes. and to pray for her. And and uh, so let's do that. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We lift up Angelica to you. We pray first and foremost, Lord God, that you would reveal truth to her, Lord, that she would come to the revelation and knowledge of truth, that she would know that there's no way out, only through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for her salvation. We pray her into the kingdom right now. We pray that you would release her from all all bondages of the enemy, every stronghold. We break it. We cast it down in the name of Jesus Christ. We plead the blood of Jesus over her life. And we pray Satan hands off in the name of Jesus. We pray, oh God, for you to surround Angelica uh, with uh with those in the faith, Lord, that she would run into those in the harvest field. You know that the, the laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. Mm. May you surround her with the laborers in the vineyard that where everywhere she goes, that she would run into another person of of, of the faith, another person uh, that, that will tell her about the love of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray something that's maybe even controversial, but I pray that she would have no rest, no peace, no happiness, no joy, that nothing that she ventures out to do would be fulfilled until she comes to the feet of the cross. Yes, Lord. Lord, we leave her in your perfect care. We leave her in your hands mm -hmm. and let her know, oh God, that apart from you, there is no life. There is no hope. There is no joy. You know, pleasure is fleeting and it may seem pleasurable for a moment, but in the end, it is the grip, the venom, yes. the, the bite of the snake. Sin promises to serve and please, but it'll enslave and dominate. Mm. Lord, let her come to her senses. Uh, let this prodigal daughter come to her senses and say, mm. at least in my father's house, even the servants live better than I do right now. Let her return and say, maybe my father would receive me and make me one of his own. Lord God, we know that you are holding your hands outright and outstretched, waiting to receive her. So we pray for her to return to the fold. I thank you, Lord, and I trust you. We give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Our last prayer request is for the adult son of uh, some parents here at Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. The man's name is Edgar. He's a father of a young child. And... We pray for Edgar every week. Edgar is involved in an illicit lifestyle, and he's involved in this lifestyle in front of his young daughter. She's exposed to the things that Edgar is doing. And so every week, we lift Edgar up in prayer. And so we also pray for the parents that um, Edgar did come to church. We were praying for he would that he would come to church, and the Lord touched his heart, and he came to a service. So God is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving, but the work continues, and we're going to lift Edgar up in prayer and his daughter as well. Father, your word, I touch and agree with Pastor Albert. There is no peace for the wicked. 
and there shouldn't be, Lord God. Only a Christless eternity awaits the unsaved, and we lift Edgar up in prayer, Heavenly Father. We lift him up to you, Lord God. You see the lifestyle that he's living, the things that he's doing, the people he's hanging out with, the things that he's doing in his home, Lord God, in front of his child. Lord, we lift him up, and we ask that you, first and foremost, give him an awareness of what he's doing. Touch his heart. Let him see truth. Open up his closed eyes so that he sees truth. Open up his closed ears so that he hears the truth. Open up yes. the hardened and closed heart to be receptive to the truth. Open up the closed mind so that he's receptive to hearing the gospel and receiving it. And when all this is done, Lord God, open up his closed mouth so that ultimately when he's convicted of sin, he confesses you as Lord and Savior. Convict him of his sin. Open up his eyes. Let him see his need for you, Lord Jesus. I touch and agree with Pastor Albert in his previous prayer. Give him no rest. Give him no peace. Give him no tranquility. Lord, convict him of his sin. Let him see his need for a savior. Lord God, save his soul. Convict him of sin. Deliver him from his illicit lifestyle. We pray a hedge of protection around this child father who is exposed to this lifestyle we pray that angels surround her and protect this innocent child from what she may be exposed to and seeing we pray that the holy spirit begin to move in this home and that the spirit of god touch everyone in it we just leave edgar in your hands lord god do what needs to be done no matter what it is he may hear the gospel. Bring somebody his way. Maybe it's to a Christian song or a track. Maybe a co-worker. Whatever vehicle or mode you choose, Lord God, let him hear the gospel. Touch his heart, Lord God. Father, he may get up and follow immediately, or he may need to be knocked off a horse. Amen. You know what needs to be done, yes. and you have the perfect time, Lord God. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen next week. It may happen a year from now. We leave him and everyone we've prayed for in your capable hands to do what needs to be done at the appointed time, Lord God. We praise you. We love you. We trust you. We thank you. We place all our confidence that all these things will come to pass and these prayers are answered. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was going to remind you yes. uh, to just pray for kevin mary ellen gabby yes if you'd like i'd pray for them and sure also i just wanted to mention yes. um one of our sisters in in this church uh sister brianna uh she had experienced the loss of a very small child and i know that there are many out there that have also experienced such tragic loss mm -hmm. uh, of of a small child and so i just want to pray for her of course of course uh, yes. pray against depression Yes, and uh, against all those different things that are trying to come after her, you can only imagine uh, what she must be going through mm. on a continual daily basis. So let's uh, just pray for these two families. Amen. Yes. Lord God, I bring up to you once more, Kevin, Mary, and Gabby yes, before God. your throne of grace. Lord, yes. we've prayed for them already, but I just want to uh, uh, say another prayer and just lift them up, Lord God, that they would collectively come together as a family yes, and find their way through this dark season, this yeah. dark climate, and return back to the throne of grace, return back to you. Yes, we lift up Gabby to you, Lord God, trusting that you have heard our prayer, and we just want you, oh God, to intervene immediately. There's yes. no time. Mm. 
immediately intervene. I also lift up my dear sister, Brianna. Mm. Lord, we pray for justice for Xavier. We pray for justice for the family, the Wilson family. Yes, we pray, O oh God, that you would uh, do it expediently, Lord God. Come in now and just flood her heart with the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord God, we bind every spirit of depression. We bind all those uh, uh, spiritual works of hell that are after her right now. Lord, we pray that she would remain steadfast in your word, in, in truth, in, in, in prayer, and that she would continue to worship you even when all uh, looks just horribly wrong. Lord God, I pray for her peace right now, that you would completely uh, and, and daily deliver her from all insecurities, from all uh, depression and all anxiety. Lord, we know those things do not come from you. So Lord God, I lift up Brianna to you right now and her family and uh, just help them as they struggle, uh, waiting for justice to be served. Mm. Uh, but Lord God, keep them in your perfect peace. Uh, we know that you are able. You say, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And uh, we thank you, Lord God, for hearing our prayers tonight. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Well, Pastor, I want to thank you so much for co-hosting this program with me. Any closing thoughts? Thank you so much again for allowing me to be part of this. I'm just so thrilled to be here. I couldn't be more thrilled, and I thank you for this invitation. Uh, I just want to close, if I can, with one yes. simple statement. Yes. I'm going to read a quick verse from Psalm, the book of Psalm 22, mm. verse 3. It says, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. God is enthroned in the praises of his people. And so as you're going, parents of prodigals, as you're going through these trials with your children, one thing that could really delay the move of God is complaining and, and being negative. Mm. Uh, those things are, are simply going to remove the fingerprint of God and put delays on your situation. Right. Begin to thank God even though it hasn't happened, you haven't seen it, yes. right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Right. So begin to thank God for your son and daughter. Thank God that Gabby is back on track. Mm. Thank God for Angelica's salvation. Thank God for Edgar's deliverance. Thank God that Joshua is back on the track. Mm. You know, begin to praise God. Lord, I glorify you. I thank you for delivering my child. I thank you for hearing my prayers. If you want God to intervene, that's how it happens because he's enthroned yes. in our praises. God is seated in our heart, on the throne of our heart by the praises that come up. God never inhabits the gripes, criticisms, and complaints, but he will inhabit the praises. So turn your frown upside down and begin to praise the Lord and thank him for what he has done and what he's about to do. What tremendous words of encouragement. Praise God. Well, we've come to the end of this week's edition of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. We have gone over, but as the Spirit leads, we have no intention of telling the Holy Spirit what to do. He leads us in what we need to do. So our next podcast will be next Thursday at 7 p.m., December 15th. Until then, I just want to mention, um, okay, as I mentioned earlier, our pastor is the pastor of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, and that is located on 11 Certified Drive in Middletown, New York. We would invite you 
to attend one of our services. We meet on Wednesday nights for Bible study, and Bible study begins at 7.30. And our Bible studies are Christ-centered, Bible-believing, and Bible-centered as well. We have Sunday morning services, and we begin with prayer at 10.30 to 11 o'clock. And then we have a service which begins at 11 and ends when the Holy Spirit tells us to end. <laughs> okay? But the Word of God is preached. I often tell people who know me very well that sound doctrine is extremely important to me. I would not be in this church if the doctrine was not sound the pastor was not a man of integrity, and this church was not a spirit-filled church. I would leave immediately, like I mentioned earlier, but this is an end times church. Time is short. The rapture could take place any moment now. You want to be in an end times church. It doesn't have to be this one, but make sure you find an end times church. And if you can't find one and you are in the Middletown or Orange County area, we invite you to attend Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. You can find us on the web, www.speckchurch.net. That's www.speckchurch.net. So that being said, until next Thursday, December 15th at 7 p.m., when we invite you to be a part of our next podcast, God bless you. Stay fervent in prayer and watch therein. And most of all, watch the road. Your prodigal our prodigal will be on it. God bless and have a good night.